Hello, everyone. I'm Asha Nayaswamy, and I'm here with Preeta in Los Angeles. I, Preeta and I have been in the same place a number of times, but this is the first chance I'll be able to really speak to her. Hello, Preeta. Welcome. Hello. So nice to speaking? be here. Where are you speaking to us from? Where are you? I am in Los Angeles, and I'm actually at the ashram here in Mid-City. In, in the Mid-City. So you live there uh, by yourself, or who else is in the house with you there? There are um, plenty of other guru guys here. Mm -hmm. um, to, there are probably at least 10 of us, uh -huh. and during the summer, there's a lot more visitors. So we have, um, there's probably close to 15 of us here between uh -huh. two houses. Very, very good. Is, yeah. Have you been living there a long time? I moved into the ashram actually during spiritual renewal week last year. Uh -huh. So 4th of July weekend was my first weekend here at the ashram. So you're about to have an anniversary. Yes. Very good. Special. <laughs> so the 4th of July is the anniversary of the founding of Ananda community. So you have a very auspicious birthday with a country, a community, <laughs> and <Yes>. an ashram, <laughs> a new life for you. Very yeah. good. Frida, where did you grow up? What was your early life like? I grew up in East Los Angeles, uh -huh. which is maybe 15 minutes east of the ashram. Uh -huh. And it's actually where, in the heart of where our, our new sanctuary space is opening. So that's really exciting for me. That's uh -huh. been uh, sort of a seven, I'd say seven year vision of mine to have a yoga and meditation studio back home. Mm -hmm. uh, so I always thought it would be <laughs> me opening up some uh yoga studio and um when uh you know frank our guru by here in los angeles announced that we were opening one in east la my heart flew out of my chest mm -hmm. because i knew that everything had finally lined up and really from that point on it felt like a lot of things in my life were finally in place mm -hmm. uh so uh yeah, growing up in East LA, um, there wasn't any yoga or meditation studios. I would say Ananda is actually one of the first that will be present there. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a Catholic upbringing. I went to private school from seventh grade to maybe my second year of high school. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that was more my mother's uh, choice and wanting a better education for me than the public school system mm -hmm. at the time. And um, when, but you said, was, when you said that you were born, uh, raised, uh, grew up with a Catholic upbringing, was it cultural for you or did it have a spiritual significance to you personally? Well, it was cultural mm -hmm. at first, um, largely. Uh, I feel, well, the only one who really practiced was my grandmother, mm -hmm. who I could say had a lot of devotion, mm -hmm. was my grandmother. And I, she, while my mom was working, pretty much raised me. So mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of that devotion I learned from her. Um, but 
when I started, when I started in seventh grade uh, mm-hmm. at the Catholic school, that's when I really began to question um, what was mine and, you know, what was just my upbringing. And uh, I actually um, always remember 13 was around the time that I started, I think, seeking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was at the time that I started school um, at the Catholic school. Now, but, this, this seems ironic to me that it's when you got to the Catholic school that you started questioning being a Catholic. Is that what you're actually right. saying? <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> much. I was like, wait. Um, was it a coincidence or was it what happened to you when you got there? I think it was, uh, we had a class once a week with the priest uh-huh. who was actually preparing us for confirmation. Uh-huh. And I remember really wanting to be in integrity with with that vow and thinking that perhaps I wasn't because I wasn't sure what I believed in yet. Mm-hmm. And um, and at the heart of it, I knew that the only thing I could make sense of at the time was, I know I believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're telling me the story right. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> and, yeah. Did you get a different story from your grandmother or was it just the feeling of your grandmother? What what was authentic about your grandmother that you recognized? Um, I think it was really just the purity of her connection to God. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like something she knew inside her heart mm-hmm. versus something that she just followed. Mm-hmm. Can you remember why you felt that? Um, just from being with her at church uh-huh. and just just seeing her in prayer, uh-huh. I feel like gave me that sense that she had this so this deep personal connection um, and her faith uh, just just like unquestioning faith. Like, mm-hmm. where does she get? I, I'd always kind of wondered like how how does she get to that point of just knowing no questions asked mm-hmm. um you know but it just, impre- it impressed you in a positive way you didn't think yes. she would, you, you could tell I, she wasn't mindless in it no not mm-hmm. at all it was very much positive did you but ever- then it, it, it uh, sparked that wanting to have that personal relationship with mm-hmm. god versus just being told this is what God is, or this is what it means to worship or anything like that. Did you ever think to ask your grandmother how she got that faith? I didn't. I haven't. Oh, she's still living. Yes. (laughs) So you could. (laughs) I could. (laughs) I might call her after this. (laughs) It would be a good thing to ask because was she born with it? Did she earn it? Right. That would be good to know. Yeah, it would be good. So was she a cheerful person? Um, she was, I feel like if I had to attribute uh, a divine aspect, some divine aspect to her, she personifies compassion. Compassion. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, that would be exceedingly attractive, especially in the one who raises you. Right. <laughs> So, yeah. 
you know, you're you're making a profound commentary on parenting, even oh. though that's not what we're talking about. Faith and compassion. And nothing in particular but just what you felt from her. You're you're talking about what, what real parenting is. Interesting. Well, so let's yeah. go back to the seventh grade and here you are with this poor priest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did, did you um, argue with poor father, whoever he was, or how did you do it? I didn't. I was I was in my head about it most of the time. Uh-huh. I just remember coloring. We had these printouts of the Virgin Mary, and we had a, just like a little coloring assignment. So I was coloring her robe going, what do I believe in? <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know why that, that particular time in my life, it always kind of humors me now, just thinking about it. but. Were you rebelling against other aspects of life or questioning other aspects or just the religion? I think just religion. And after that, um, I think when I got to community college, I took every philosophy class and world religions class that I could take. Um, Back up a step, though. Did you take communion? I mean, confirmation? I did, but I felt so guilty about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't feel guilty about it now. (laughs) So basically, you just let the priest think that you agreed with him. Right. And let it pass. Well, that's all right. There's many ways. I actually, in my head, I said, I'll do this for my grandmother. Ah, that's worth doing. That hasn't taken. It was worth doing for her. Absolutely. (laughs) Again, another very interesting comment about parenting, isn't it? Yeah. You respected her and loved her enough to just do it for her. Very good for you. That was that was a mature decision. So but now you're on your own. You're in junior college, you've made it through, you've gotten away from the priest. <laughs> yes. Now it's just me and Descartes and Plato. Um and I actually had another funny experience where my mom dropped me off. <laughs> My mom was just kind of the spectator in all of this. She never pushed anything on me or told me, no, don't do that or don't try that. She was just kind of completely stepped back. And Uh um, I asked her for one of my world religions class. We had to uh, go to somebody else's temple or, you know, somewhere completely new to us. And I actually went to an Islamic service. Uh and it was really beautiful, um, but I can just kind of remember my mom's face as she's dropping me off. Going, what's? She's like, "Are you sure this is okay?" Like, "Yeah, I'll be fine." Um, um, so, yeah, I just ever since then, I've I've explored on my own, and I think at the same time I was in community college, I started to go to a Christian church that was just right across the street from our house because we had moved an hour away. Mm-hmm. So um, I literally just walked inside the church and someone said, oh yeah, we have a youth group on Wednesday nights. And I was like, okay, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started to go there and uh, we actually, it was a really fun time there. We, um, the aspect of the, that Christian church that I love so much was the music. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I loved that they they had um they actually had a band mm-hmm. and um that was just my favorite mm-hmm. and we also did a missions trip to the priest was actually he was a pretty young priest and he was from Canada and um he knew of a project in uh near Vancouver where there was a homeless shelter for teens mm-hmm. and they were going to expand it and they were making this new this barn into a new center so we actually flew up there and um helped renovate the the barn for the kids so so you were still a teenager yourself an older teenager i was uh, about 18 at the time so you were going basically to help your own people yeah, yeah. <laughs> was this a catholic christians because you referred to the priest was it a catholic yeah. oh well it was a Nazarene church. Nazarene, so there we are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you referred to the East Palo Alto, East um, Los Angeles, did you grow up speaking Spanish? Are you Hispanic in your background? I am Hispanic. Um, my grandparents were born in Mexico, uh-huh. but my mother was born here, so I'm second generation. Um, and I speak Spanish. Was that I your know. first language, Spanish? Or but was it, it wasn't, no. English actually was, and my grandmother actually only spoke Spanish. Uh-huh. So we had this English-Spanish <laughs> going on for a while until she learned English and I learned Spanish. And then you could so, do, so when you speak of going back to your home neighborhood, is that also, also a cultural as well as a geographical thing, or do you think it more is geography? Um, both. Both. Um, yeah, I think there are so many, especially young people like myself in, in the community, the Hispanic community, who will maybe like myself um, resonated with the vibration of Christ, but um, didn't exactly fit in the church or didn't necessarily make sense to them. And this um, you know, when I started to go to a yoga studio, that really opened up a whole new world for me. Um, and so I feel uh, um, like it's one of the best ways that I could give back to my community mm-hmm. is to, uh, you know, be of service in, in this way. So when did uh, when did yoga 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 entered your life before Master entered your life? Was it one first one? It was. It's very interesting. <laughs> uh, so at 19, I got diagnosed with hypothyroid, which is an underactive thyroid. Um, and that sort of set me on a journey to figure out, well, actually, around 22, two years later, um, I realized that the medication wasn't helping me um, and that I was feeling worse. So um, yeah, 22, that's when um, I first entered a yoga studio and I did a work exchange program. Um, and I learned about, you know, holistic medicine and alternative medicine. Um, and I actually, there was this woman that I talked to one day at the studio who told me that she had healed her thyroid. Um, and I thought, well, I, maybe I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I actually took myself off of medication and 
boldly just kind of uh, went on that undertaking of uh, rebalancing my system, uh, primarily first through a vegan diet. So I went completely vegan. Mm -hmm. um, but around that time, uh, I had actually went to a friend took me to Encinitas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to Swami's Beach. <laughs> Encinitas is one of the ashrams founded by Yogananda himself. Yes. yes. Uh -huh. And so I went into um, the garden, the meditation garden. And um, I, it was there that I feel like I felt peace or at home within myself for the first time. And that really awakened uh, almost this urgency hmm. of I need to find, I don't know what it is, but I need to find it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and for some reason, I didn't connect master with that at the time. That was the first time I saw master's face mm -hmm. um, at the bookstore. And so it kind of set me on this journey that um, at that point, I think I started um, going to different yoga studios, mm -hmm. but not quite finding my home. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, this is fast forwarding to maybe three years ago mm -hmm. um, or two and a half years ago now. I, I started going to a Kundalini studio Mm -hmm. their sadhana at 3 30 a.m that's dedication right and i thought okay this is i thought okay this is this is it i'll just stay here and and i felt great from the practice because it was chanting and meditation mm -hmm. um but one day while i was meditating i heard that i had to devote myself and i thought wait a minute <laughs> I'm here. It's, you know, it's early in the morning and I'm meditating. I don't get, I don't get it. It's 3.30 AM um, and I'm here. I see. I'm here. Devoted, right? devoted. Um, but at that time I realized I was still in the wrong place. I see. Um, and I was, I had drove by Larchmont at the time, which is here in Los Angeles. Uh, the Larchmont center was open um, and I saw Master's picture on the window, mm. and I thought, okay, I think that might be the answer. Mm. Um, so I looked at the calendar. I saw the first three-hour meditation was on Friday. I said, I'll be there. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and the first interaction I had was with Narian, mm -hmm. and who's our spiritual director here in Los Angeles, and um, I just, I really felt master's presence mm -hmm. and I'm really grateful that, I mean, I could have met anyone first, but I'm really grateful that I met Narion first. Um, I really feel like it just kind of solidified for me that I was in the right place. You know, I often hear, and I know it's true, it's hard for the devotee to evaluate a guru but you, when you see people who are following the path and you, there are people that you want to be like, right. you know, that that's who I want to become. Sometimes right. that's 
that's as strong or even stronger a sign that you're in the right place. Right. That's ex very excellent. Very good. So from that point on, was that yeah, sort of like I've been here and I haven't questioned it. And I, just, I went right I went right into Raja, I think, uh -huh. all the way to discipleship, and then I just to Kriya uh, in November, last November. So how long? And you've been in the ashram for a year. So you have a daughter, also. Yes. Yes. How old is your last? Mila is six. Does she enjoy <laughs> the ashram life? She loves it. Uh, when she first got here, she was really shy uh -huh. and you couldn't get her to talk. Uh -huh. um, and we were laughing just two nights ago. We were having a communal dinner and um, she just like had complete control over the whole table. Like <laughs> All eyes were on Mila and she was just orchestrating this <laughs> conversation and everyone was just laughing because she's just completely come out of her shell mm -hmm. and it's been a real blessing for her to be around all these amazing people wasn't that wonderful i'm so happy that you're that you have the same karma together that you're happy in the same place so how has your life changed since you've become a disciple since becoming a disciple i think at the forefront of my mind, even more so, is it's not about me anymore. <laughs> um, I've really, all of my decisions are, is this serving and of the greater good? Is this what master wants versus what uh, Prita wants? Mm -hmm. And that's a big shift to just go, I'm not in control, or to accept that I'm not in control. Um, that's probably the biggest, biggest way. Perhaps this is, perhaps it's too early to answer the question, but do you think that your daughter will someday speak about you the way you're, you have spoken about your grandmother? <laughs> My grandma is a pretty high standard. <laughs> I hope so. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. But there's no reason why not. No. Are you beginning to understand your grandmother? Um, I just it's just a constant practice of keeping my heart open uh -huh. to just give the way that she gives so selflessly, uh -huh. um, that's a lot of that's a lot of work for me. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's a lot of work for all of us. Yeah. But grounding yourself in, I mean, the secret of that for her was faith, obviously. Right. <clears throat> so you, um, you, uh, before we were on the air, you were talking about taking up a job with Ananda. Now, can you tell us what you're doing? Yes, I am working. Uh, with our publishing arm, Crystal Clarity. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been working alongside uh, Michael and Peter mm -hmm. to help the transition. Um, as many people watching may or may, may not know, uh, Crystal Clarity moved from the village um, to Los Angeles. So um, we finally have our warehouse set up and uh, yeah, now, we're working on, I'm working 
particularly on customer service and um, also helping uh, Michael with fulfillment. And uh, moving forward, I'll also be helping with the marketing to help uh, bring Swami's book to a whole new um, group of people. Have you been working long enough to really sort of feel what your vision is for how you're going to contribute there? Do you have a, a feeling in your heart of what you're able to do? Um, actually, I was, um, I actually had a Vedic uh, reading with Keshava mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago, and I felt like that really gave me a little bit more clarity or kind of gave me permission to go with my feeling. Uh -huh. um, I'm a writer uh -huh. and um, that's what I was doing before Crystal Clarity. I was writing for a wellness brand as a ghost writer. Uh -huh. um, so I think that at some point, um, uh, mar the marketing will be really a really big piece of what I do in, mm -hmm. in outreach. Mm -hmm. So your your dharma was already words, <laughs> written words. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So perhaps do you feel that Master called you to this position for this reason? I think so. It it it's like with the center in East LA. Um, when I heard about Crystal Clarity coming, I was like, "Oh, that's me too!" <laughs> like it just felt mm -hmm. like just kind of this confusion about where I fit in the world was finally, I was finally gaining clarity around that just because I knew that my, my work was so, or I felt that what I do as a career is really, really important in terms of my service. Mm -hmm. um, so that question about uh, what I'm going to do is, kind of been something I've trying, been trying to figure out for a while now. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I, I feel finally like I have that direction and clarity with crystal clarity. I can certainly understand that. Do you feel that you have a, when you go back to your community, as you speak of it, the Hispanic community, is this, will this be a Spanish language ministry and English, English language or both together? Yeah. Uh, through that part? <laughs> yeah, we actually have started our Spanish ministry. So uh -huh. we've started with Spanish live streams. Mm -hmm. um, there's about three or four of us here mm -hmm. that speak Spanish. And, um, but I definitely see um, our classes being both at East LA, uh -huh. just given that a large part of the population there not only is bilingual, but many predominantly speak Spanish. So, well, there's a lot of adventures in your future, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> if you were going to say to yourself, "What is your ideal of discipleship?" How would you describe that? My ideal. Ideal of discipleship. I think it's just selfless service. Seva. That's enough. 
Krita, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It was really lovely to hear. And it sounds to me you all are on the eve of some really beautiful work there in Los Angeles. And um, I think that perhaps through this we can call uh, some of your tribe, <laughs> your people. Yes. <laughs> your people, not so personal, but just the people who God wants to be. Yes. The family there. We'll all keep you in our prayers. Thank you. Thank you so much.